Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, thank you for tuning in to Exam Room Rambles podcast. Today, we're going to do a podcast on pet fire safety. So once again, I am a little late to the game. Yesterday, July 15th, was the National Pet Fire Safety Day, and that was started in 2009 by the AKC and a security company because they realized how many pets were losing their lives in house fires and how many pets were contributing to house fires. So it's a relatively new day, just 11 years old. And it was yesterday. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to get this podcast out published today or tomorrow, but anyway... I'm doing it. So I'm going to start off with a few statistics for you. The first statistic is how many house fires are in the United States every year. And the number that I found according to the National Fire Protection Association is roughly 355,000 house fires a year. In those house house fires, roughly 3,500 humans lose their lives. Some of those are firefighters. Usually it's around 100 average a year and the rest are occupants of those homes. Of those 355,000, 40,000 pets roughly lose their life. And a thousand of those house fires are for sure started by pets. So those are some scary numbers to think about. Kind of depressing on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, No, it's not Wednesday. It's Thursday, Thursday afternoon. So I'm also going to share with you the top causes of fires according to the National Fire Protection Association. The number one top cause is cooking, leaving food on a stove unattended. The second one is heating like space heaters. The third is electrical like wires, crossed wires. The fourth is intentional. That's awful, isn't it? And the fifth one is smoking. And actually, of deaths associated with house fires, smoking was the major cause of house fires that led to human fatalities. I thought that was interesting. Um, There was a ton of statistics out there. I'm not going to share them all with you. So we're going to get right down to business. First off, if you have pets in the house, you should have a no open flame rule. No candles. And honestly, no smoking, no cigarettes, no weed, no smoking in the house. I don't normally light candles in my house, like the nice smelly ones, though I do have candle melters. But it seems like the the lights go out or the electricity goes out a couple times a year. And I tend to light candles in those situations. And honestly, I shouldn't. You shouldn't either. We should have battery-operated lanterns, flashlights with functional batteries, those kind of things. There really is no need to light candles in a home with pets or children. Number two, be mindful of stove knobs. Now, there's different types of stoves. I have an older stove and all of the knobs are up high on the top against the wall and you have to push them in to turn them. And they're removable if I were wanting to remove them. But I've been in several newer homes with beautiful redone kitchens where they have like a nice gas stove top and it's actually kind of separate than their oven. And those knobs are right there in front of the stove, right at waist level. 
So if you were to like lean over the stove, which why would anyone do that, your belly would actually touch the knobs. That to me seems like a major hazard for pets, especially if you have counter surfers, labs, big dogs, nosy dogs. I did watch a YouTube video of a dog that was nosing into a pizza carton on top of the stove. And this was all caught by their security camera. And he started a fire in the kitchen. Fortunately, they were home and just in the other room and came out and extinguished the fire. But that apparently happens more often than you'd think. I had no idea that was even a risk for pets. So even the stoves with the safety knobs, and they all have safety knobs, but they push in. If a dog is pushing that with their nose or their paw or leaning on it with a paw, they're going to push it in and be able to turn it to the right. So think about those things if you're buying a new stove or remodeling your kitchen or you have big dogs. I don't think my little rat terriers could do that, but a big lab, absolutely. The second thing is cats. I don't know if cats have the ability to turn knobs. I did not hear any stories of where they did that. But regardless, in the kitchen, you should probably strictly enforce a no climbing, no being on the counters, no being on the stovetop rule. My cat Hisser, she used to like to jump on our stove and lick the pan. Um, we had a cast iron pan and we always used butter in it. We stopped using butter. We put the pan away. She stopped jumping on the counters. Number three, loose wires. If you have pets in your house, you need to be especially careful about wires. I hope no one has loose wires just hanging out of their walls. But honestly, if you're doing a remodel or construction, it's a possibility. The other thing is most of us have a mess of wires behind our TV, under our computer desks, and those wires, if an animal gets tangled in them and a cat, what are they going to do? They're going to chew themselves out. So keep your wires, keep your cords extremely well organized. The other thing, which is probably even better than that, is keep your pets kenneled when you're not home. Now fires can happen when you're home and that's very scary, but if you're not directly supervising your pets, there's no reason for them not to be in a kennel or crated. That's a wonderful way to keep your house safe and keep your pets safe. Now, how about cats? Can you create cats? Of course you can. The other thing you could do is confine them to their room. If you have one room of the house that you lock your cat in when you're not home and you know that room is cat-proof and safe, that's kind of like a big kennel. You could do the same thing with a dog also. I definitely don't think a pet having free roam of the house when no one is home or when the house is sleeping is a great idea. With that said, I confess, my dogs have run of the house at night when they are sleeping also. Well, when we're sleeping, they're sleeping too. Number four. This one seems like an odd one, but I came across it in several places, so it must be something that has happened in real life on multiple occasions. And that is, if you keep a bowl on your porch or on your front step, it needs to be ceramic. It's not supposed to be clear glass. I guess glass and water in the sun can act like a magnifying glass and create heat enough to start a fire. Apparently there have been several decks that have been started on fire and led to house fires because someone had a clear glass bowl for a drinking bowl on their porch. So an odd one, but if you happen to have one, just get rid of it. Switch to ceramic. So the other important thing that is just totally a no-brainer, but I'm going to bring them up if you have pets in the home, and if you don't have pets in the home, but why would you be listening to this podcast, is 
please have functional smoke alarms and a fire extinguisher. I don't have a fire extinguisher on each level of my home. We have one in the garage, but reviewing all this information reminded me I really need to have one upstairs and in my kitchen. So I got on Amazon and started looking. And they actually have these car fire extinguishers, and they're like an aerosol can, like something you'd buy to like, I don't know, like a spray can, like like hairspray type can, only a little bigger. And they are fire extinguishers. They're designed for your car, but I don't know why you couldn't have one of those upstairs in a closet or a bathroom and in your kitchen. Now, the actual kitty fire extinguishers, which are kind of the kitchen ones meant to go under a sink, they're only about 20 bucks. I didn't even know these small portable fire extinguishers existed. And I'm glad I looked because I'm going to order a two-pack for, I think it was, 20 bucks. And then smoke detectors. A new smoke detector costs about $10. There's really no excuse not to have one. I think the rule of thumb is you're always supposed to check batteries on January 1st, but I'm adding a new rule of thumb and saying that you should check your smoke detector batteries twice a year and once should be on yesterday, which would have been National Pet Fire Safety Day. Yeah, July 15th, middle of the year. So another cool thing I came across in my research, which I did not know existed, and it sounds kind of fun in a weird way, is there is such thing as a self-activating fire extinguisher ball. So it's like a ball. It's a little smaller than a bowling ball. And if there's a fire, you throw the ball into the fire and it self-activates and extinguishes the fire. Now, doesn't that sound cool? I don't remember the price of those, but I'd never even in my wildest dreams imagined something like that existed. So moving on. Now we're going to talk about some obvious stuff also. What to do if there actually is a fire. We've kind of talked about the things to prevent, but what about the situation where there actually actually is? First off, have a family plan. I confess all these things that I should have done and have not done. My kids are 12 and 14, and I have not had a talk with them in several years about how they are to get out of their rooms if there's a fire and what to do, where to go. I'm sure they knew who to call. They have cell phones. We no longer have a house phone. But I need to review that. The whole family needs to know what the plan is for themselves and for pets. So one basic rule that you'll hear over and over, and it's a hard one, it's the toughest one to say, but never go back in your burning house to secure a pet or anything for that matter. Once you're out and you're safe, please don't go back in. Let the firemen go in to do that stuff. There are some things you can do, though, if you're fleeing your house and you were unable to find your pet and you have the split second to do it, open a window and throw the screen out so the pet has a chance to get out the window if you have a low window. Number two, leave the door open. If you're going out your front door, prop that door open. Don't let it shut. That way, if the pet works its way down to that door, it can go out. Which means you probably either need to, in the house, have a cute little heavy statue to prop that door open, or outside, have a landscaping rock close by that you can pick up and prop that door open. I thought that was a great tip. If you have a situation like ours where you're out on the farm and you don't have a lot of traffic and your pets can come and go as they want, have a doggy door. That's what we have. We have a doggy door and all the pets know how to use it. It can be shut and locked when it needs to be, but for the most part, we have it open all the time. I suppose you could do a doggy door if you had a fenced-in yard. 
Another important thing, know your pet's hiding spots. That's for two reasons. Pets usually detect problems before we do, and a lot of times they'll go into hiding. Not every pet is going to pull a lassie and come to you and let you know what's going on. Though I have a wonderful story of a dog, a little Yorkie named Moppy, and Moppy's been gone now for several years, but she actually woke her family up in the middle of the night to alert them that the house was on fire, and she saved their lives. She saved the family. Probably should have smoke detectors. I don't know if these people did, but the dog saved their life. I have another sad story. This was just a couple years ago in our town where a man's house started on fire and he started off doing things right. He grabbed his pet. He got it on a leash. He took it outside. He tied it to a tree across the street, but he went back in and he did not make it out. He lost his life. You probably should have leashes at every door of your house, more than one. If your pet doesn't wear a collar, slip leashes. Slip leashes are what we use at the clinic. We give them away free. If you really want one, just come to the clinic, take it right out of our lobby. We have them hanging on a hook by our front door um, or two so that you can have a leash in your car or at both of your doors. But back to what I was saying about knowing where your pets hide is you can tell a firefighter, hey, my cat is always behind the box in the upstairs closet at the top of the stairs. If that's your cat's hiding spot, or hey, the cat's always under the bed in my daughter's room, the room with the pink walls. If you know where your pet is always hiding, that's going to help firefighters. You'll also know exactly where to go in case the fire is such that you do have time to grab some things. Another option, if your pets are kenneled, which would be to keep kennels near the door. I'm thinking of my friend's house. She kennels her dogs in her kitchen, and her kitchen has a direct door to the outside. That way, she could tell firefighters, neighbors, whatever. I don't know why she'd tell her neighbors. Well, in case there was a fire when she wasn't home and the neighbors were directing the firefighters. Hey, the dogs are in the kennel. Go in the back door, the kitchen door. They should be right there. So be mindful of where you keep your kennels. In an upstairs bedroom while you're gone probably isn't a great idea. Another tip, use those pet stickers on windows. They look obnoxious. They're red and white. They're the fire safety stickers. You should have them in your windows if you have children too in the children's bedrooms. I remember that even when I was a kid. Firefighters look for those and you need to have one on your window if you have pets in your home also. Another no-brainer, have IDs on all your pets. If your pets are able to escape the house because either you left something open or when firefighters kicked open doors and windows to get into your house, the pets were able to escape out, hopefully they have an ID on their collar. Hopefully they have been microchipped. Make sure you have photos of your pets identifying marks on a cloud service, like on your Google Drive or a Snapfish or your Verizon Cloud, iCloud, whatever in case your phone or your device is lost in your house. So make sure to have pictures of your pets in the cloud. A few pet-specific tips I came across when I was doing my research was cats. For cats, make sure they are accustomed to their carrier. <laughs> Most of you that have cats know that trying to get a cat in a carrier can sometimes be a two-day process. We frequently get people that cancel their appointments because they say, I couldn't get the cat in the carrier. Well, I promise that is something you can practice. You can practice, and if you really want to put the effort in, you can do it once a week until your cat goes in effortlessly and fearlessly. 
But definitely don't put your carriers in the basement or in a dungy garage loft. Keep your clean carriers in a nice closet near your door, so like your front closet where your jackets are. You need to have a carrier per cat. If you don't have that many carriers, you need to have pillowcases handy. Pillowcases are another great way to transport cats safely. Your cat needs to be accustomed to being put in the pillowcase also. So proper size kennels, one carrier per cat. They need to be somewhere where everyone in the house knows where they are and they are easy to get to. Fish. It's probably not going to be real easy to grab your fish in a safe way as you are evacuating for a fire. So just be sure to ask the firefighters right away to prioritize the fish if that's what's important to you and tell them what room that fish is in. Birds. Birds are usually in a carrier, but throwing a damp sheet or towel over them will minimize the smog and smoke, which birds are especially um, prone to damaging their lungs. Little pocket pets, hamsters, gerbils, guinea pigs, um, they could go really well into a mini pet carrier or also into a pillowcase. Snakes? Yeah, I'm sure you want to save your snake. If you're not going to like wrap it around your neck or in your arm like a scarf, you can put your snake in a pillowcase again. Turtles, lizards, any small geckos, probably a good idea to have one of those small plastic transport tanks or at least a box close to their cage so you can just move them in it and go. It doesn't work if your little pet carrier is in an upstairs closet. It needs to be near where your pet lives. So that was a lot to throw at you. <laughs> My intention was to keep that podcast at 10 minutes and sure enough, as usual, I'm pushing 20. Just know that I'm not perfect either. <laughs> There's all these things I know I'm supposed to do, I know I should do, and I don't do them. And I'm sure there's some of you out there that are like me. It's not too hard to order some fire extinguishers. It's not too hard to double check our smoke detectors. It's important to talk to our kids and our spouses about a plan if there is a fire. No one plans a fire. It's not something anybody plans on or wishes happening. They're accidents, they're tragedies. So the best thing we can do is be prepared. Thank you. You know where to find me at examroomrambles at gmail.com if you have questions, concerns, ideas for a podcast. Or you can find me at the Marshall Animal Clinic, 537-1537, www.marshallanimalclinic.com. Thank you. Thank you.